everybody! It's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the details, characters, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined by my fellow dimensional traveler, Ross. Mac, it is great to be back for another week of Star Wars All In because we have a topic that we have been working on for three weeks now. We are going to talk about the world between worlds, one of our absolute favorite pieces of Star Wars content, one of the final episodes of Star Wars Rebels, and a uh, truly great piece of content when it comes to the world of the Force. Yes, we we teased it in episode so 30. In episode 31, we teased it again, and now we're finally ready to talk about it. <laughs> um, it's a very interesting concept. It gets metaphysical, and I think it's going to bring out a lot of interesting conversations of ramifications of what does it mean? How could it be interpreted? What ways are there to interpret it? And what... What does it mean for the fabric of Star Wars as a story and also as a universe? So I think it's going to be a really good one. I couldn't agree more, Mac. You ready to get into it? Let's go. Imperial excavation site. They are looking up the remnants of an ancient temple, and our heroes have figured out that it is an artifact that can be manipulated through the Force to lead somewhere. And so wolves start running around this mural, and those who are addicted to the Mortis Trilogy, like me, are going like, that's the son, the daughter, and the father! This is great! And then eventually, after those wolves keep running, a portal sort of forms, and we have our character dropped off into a whole new landscape we have never seen in Star Wars. And the episode ends, and you're left on a cliffhanger, and you have to come back next week to discover a world between worlds. Indeed. And the episode opens with us hearing Obi-Wan and Yoda and Kanan and all of these... um, iconic lines from a time gone by and as Ezra stands up he's still wearing his scout trooper uniform but now he finds himself in um in the middle of nowhere in literally the middle of space and time he is suspended in what seems like the middle of black nothingness with nothing but white lines uh lighting the edge of his path and you know white um gateways spread out before him but beyond that totally lost totally on his own yeah he's dressed appropriately he's wearing black and white and that's all that's left in this world <laughs> is essentially all color or I the mean, absence of. it's i'm loading my, my uh my opinion here but like it's a very cosmic place it's basically mm-hmm. sort of like this empty black space with sort of the light impression of like star fields yeah. like you're just in this sort of unlimited space and then there are just all of these almost random pa- 
pathways, just these long curving pathways that are sort of translucent and they've just got the white edges and much like everything in Star Wars, there are no safety rails in this place to be seen. Think like a simplified rainbow road from Mario Kart. It's like before they add all the color and design, that's what you have here. And all of these branching walkways lead out to these different sort of doors, these different gates that appear at first glance to just be, you know, translucent. You can see right through them and see the other side. Mm -hmm. But as Ezra listens, he realizes that, you know, there's more going on here. He's hearing voices that he shouldn't be hearing. He's, uh, you know, experiencing this place. He's feeling this place, even though he doesn't understand it. Mm -hmm. I think the interesting bit about it is, uh, it's it's um yeah it looks like more something like out of Tron like Tron Legacy if anything, um and I remember when I first watched this like it was really like a can they do that are they allowed to do that in the sense yeah. of like you were hearing all these classic cuts and some of them don't it's it it foretells the fact of some of this doesn't make sense like some of these lines are coming from a place where. Ezra should never have heard them. So it can't be inside his mind. And some of them are just crisscrossing over timelines of like, well, that shouldn't happen yet. Or yeah. you should not, not have heard yeah, that. Yeah, They're hearing Obi-Wan talk to Luke and, you know, all things that, well, we know from the outside looking in that this is stuff that happens in the future or the past. And effectively, this is our first impression of time travel in Star Wars. That's sort of, you know, I think how I interpreted it the first time I saw it. I'm not saying maybe that's my current belief. Well, we'll talk about it. but Well, especially where the events go, because what Ezra's voices lead him to is to be able to look through doorways at at the past. Mm-hmm. And oh. the first one he comes across here as he's sort of trying to figure out where he is and explore this new realm, he sees Morai above one of the mm-hmm. gates and all of these gates we should point out are different shapes some are round some are triangles some have very ornate designs around them some have very minimal designs but they all share the fact that they are just thick white lines until Ezra sees Morai above this he recognizes her you know as mm-hmm. someone who's been around when Ahsoka's been around in the past you know he's recognized this owl and then this doorway starts to glow from the white glows blue from all sides and from inside red starts to glow and you know two figures start to form in front of him he sees Vader and Ahsoka and all of a sudden we're reliving the fight that was at the end of season two of Rebels and we're yes. back there in that moment And we see, you know, a battle-damaged Vader fighting Ahsoka and getting the upper hand against her. And, you know, we see her struggling to hold on against him and trying to stand up to his fight. And as they're clashing and the roof is starting to collapse in the Sith Temple that they're in. Yeah. And Ahsoka goes and destroys the ground under Vader in an attempt to collapse him. Which, when we saw this fight last time, was the last thing we saw. The door closed on her as this happened. Mm-hmm. And, and Ezra was gone. Yeah, the heroes got out on the ghost, and we didn't really know the fate. Uh, well, we knew the fate of Vader because, well, he's in the episode four. Yeah. Um, but like Ahsoka, like for a moment there, you're like, did they both just die? Did they both get crushed? What does this mean? And yeah. both combatants walk away from that in the context of that episode, but we never see really how. How? <laughs> yes. Right. And so it was one of these things of it's interesting now because this is the how for at least Ahsoka. 
Yeah, and boy, is it interesting because right as she sticks her sabers into the ground to try and cause Vader to fall, uh, Vader swipes down where she's sitting or kneeling. Mm -hmm. And at that exact moment, Ezra reaches through the portal and pulls her out, saving her right as Vader falls through the floor. Yeah, so again, to the time travel thing, so as we see the events recontextualize here, Ahsoka's dead. She was going to be killed in that moment. It is very told through the storytelling that that is the moment. And so only through Ezra's intervention did she actually survive. And so now it's this kind of question of like, okay, well, how does she get back to that planet? Like, how does this all work now? Yeah, for a moment, you know, he pulls her out and they're almost like both unconscious. Like the act of reaching through the portal was too much, zapping them of energy. And as Morai sort of is calling out, you know, they wake up. And, um, you know, they sort of catch up about Kanan. They have this moment. It sort of happens off screen. But basically, she's like, wait, where's Kanan? You know, how are you here on your own? And, you know, we can see that they sort of caught up here. And we get that fun time traveling of like, is your hair different? What? And like, we start realizing like, for her, this is all happening at the end of season two. However many months or years ago that was. For Ezra, he's grown a lot in that yeah. time. Yeah, he's grown. He's gone he's through changed, a lot. He's lost people. He's lost things. He's done things on his own. He's become a leader, you know, um, and he's gone through, um, you know, his evil spell, as it were. He's met Obi-Wan. So this is a kid who's changed a lot. And the thing that we do hear them discussing is we hear them discuss what we saw in the previous couple of episodes where he is met by this wolf, this Lothwolf named Doom, you know, who's presenting mm -hmm. itself with the same name as his master. And Ahsoka basically says that, you know, this is Kanan guiding you. He, he was sent. He thinks Ezra, you know, basically, sorry, Ahsoka says that, hmm. you know. Maybe he's guiding you. Maybe he's trying to show you something, to teach you something. There is sort of this precedent where people who have moved on into the cosmic force can still communicate with us, right? She's aware of this. And this has been doubled down in what we're seeing because we saw at the end of Clone Wars, we had Yoda go and sort of give us those definitions of the cosmic force and a little more of the meat of what was happening with Qui-Gon and what yeah. Obi-Wan and Yoda are planning to do with their life forces at their, the end of their time. So, like, the stage is set for this to be even more weird. The fact that, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah no, it, it's it's not coming back. You know, maybe Kate isn't coming back as a ghost, but he is coming back through a connection to this part of the living world, this wolf or whatever. Yeah, just like we saw Gwygon come back as a voice and not a force ghost. You know, we've we've seen different embodiments of and, the cosmic force. And the Morai is connected to Ahsoka's journey, this mm -hmm. animal that pops up in places like it shouldn't, like the very end of Clone Wars, for example. Yeah, you know what's funny is there's this really interesting part where the um, Alkalite that Sabine is talking to, kind of the other half of the story or another part of the story, is he kind of says, you know, it's a spirit guide representing the daughter or perhaps even the daughter itself. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're giving you that sort of, we don't even really know what this thing is, but it's mystical. And I love that. And a couple of May Force ago, you can listen to our opinions where I just basically gush about <laughs> anything related to Mortis is my favorite parts of Star Wars. And one of my favorite parts of this episode is Ezra. What he does, the conclusion he jumps to here is that, well, if, you know, my master is talking to me through this wolf, then he brought me here for a reason. He brought me here to save him. He brought me here because I can change the past. I can fix what happened. And not noticing that he already has changed the past for the good. He's kind of speed bumped over. Maybe that's the reason you're here was to save Ahsoka. But 
by all means, yes. And it's great because he now just starts kind of running and trying to figure out what door leads him to Kanan's death so he can stop it. Yeah, yeah. And he's running after. He hears his voice. He knows it must be closed, but he can't find it. And when he finally does find it, you know, he sees this final moment that his teacher had protecting them from this explosion at this Imperial Center, you know, the death we saw just a few episodes ago. And Kanan and Ahsoka have this mo- or sorry, Ezra and Ahsoka have this moment where she's sort of teaching him, listen, if you pull him out of here, you know, his sacrifice will have been for nothing. You will die. His friends will die. You know, if you take him from this moment, his purpose in the force will be removed. And I, you know, I think it's pretty obvious, but, you know, we're meant to understand that as the lesson that yeah. sometimes the past is not meant to be changed. That's the lesson that Ezra's seeing. And what I find so interesting about this is not only is Ezra the one, you know, getting this lesson of you can't change the past, even though it feels like the right thing to do now. In my mind, this is also a lesson for Ahsoka. Of she's just had this confrontation with her former master. She's just had this, you know, this this event that is truly traumatic and life-changing yep and she probably has a million thoughts going through her mind of could i save him could i change the past could i manipulate this and make things better than they are now yeah she's got like padme thoughts of like there's still good in him and And, stuff exactly and she has to you know we're not seeing this i'm internalizing this but yeah she has to listen to her own words here and and believe what she's telling Ezra so she believes it too. And I, and I find that very interesting. And the sharp analysis, especially concerning, again, the moment in time that she's coming from. Yeah. Right. That exact moment where she has finally realized, oh, Darth Vader, this monster that I have as, as Fulcrum been working against, this boogeyman of the Empire, that's Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. She's more, she's positive now because obviously they, you know, had their moment um, in the fighter earlier in the in the show and all that but yeah this is their their in-person meeting we assume the first time since yeah. and um because we got to remember that while we after this episode was made later we do get ahsoka's like first-hand view of all the events of revenge of the sith she never got to see anakin's fall she felt it through the force yeah. she knew sort of the beats of it because of her own sensations and maul um but when she sees the the bloodshot yellowed eye inside yeah. the broken helmet, the it's the first man. time that she really had to internalize that yeah. and process the fact that that Obi-Wan has a good idea. Maybe I should just say that Darth Vader killed Anakin. That's way easier to deal with. That's that's a lot. It's a nice cleaner line. Yeah, it's a it's a nice um, coping mechanism. The good man who was your father was dead. That's yeah, that's way easier than he's killing yeah. younglings. Um you don't come back from that. Um, and but, so, oh, but the last thing I was going to also say about Ezra is it's it's also important from a storytelling perspective. Okay, guys. Yes, yes, we're playing with time travel, but yes, there are rules to time travel. We are not going to make the Star Wars universe this totally malleable thing where you can go back and change anything. The majority of things that happen in the universe happen for the reason they're supposed to. We may not be able to see it. We may not be able to understand it. We may not like it. But so much of our existence is processing and accepting that things happened the way they did for a reason. 
Yeah, and that presents so many interesting questions in my mind about the cosmic force, you know, because we've talked about before, is the cosmic force omnipotent? You know, is it thinking? Is it working towards a goal? Is it trying to make things happen? Does it have a will of its own? Yes. And I still think you could make the argument either way. I don't think we have a definitive answer, but a place like this, the world between worlds, almost makes you think like, no, things cannot be changed. But the idea of the sort of virgin miracle birth, I think, goes against that. So it's a very interesting thing that this I, is added to Star Wars. And it's good because it plays with classic religious themat- oh, yeah. themes of the fact of where does destiny and free will uh-huh. intersect? And the uh-huh. answer is it's murky. Um, yeah. And, you know, th- everything happens for a reason. But sometimes that reason isn't, you know, God, fate, time's choice. It's you made a choice. And that's why it happened the way it did. Like, yeah. and Mortis the Mortis trilogy played with the same kind of things, except one thing the Mortis trilogy does and invoking those figures on the mural that got us here of the father, the daughter, the son reiterates to me the idea of when we see those figures, those are earlier forms of the understanding of these concepts of the force, right? They are far more ancient. They exist in only the most apocryphal ancient texts, right? Because we know Mortis wasn't a real place, much like the world between worlds. It is some place that exists outside of time and space and all this kind of good stuff. Um, And what it gets to, to me, because the other thing that starts ebbing into this storyline is this is not a place of the Jedi. This is a place of the force because we find that someone else is aware of stuff that might be going on here and feeling things change. Cause we see the emperor deeps in the bowels of the palace kind of doing his own ways to sort of understand what's going on and seeing about infiltrating this place and trying to figure out what Ezra Bridger was up to. Um, and it makes it remind you that, oh, the Sith are aware of this power too, because it's beyond the Sith and the Jedi duality. It is much bigger and broader than that. This is, this is a special spiritual place that isn't really concerned with your concepts of good and evil. Well, what I love about that so much personally, because, yeah, we're about to talk about the Emperor here, is that, one, you have a, a being that's so powerful that he's able to be aware of this and, and manipulate it and work with it, which is very interesting. But it also speaks to the... How should I put this? The neutral nature of the Force. You yes. know, the fact that the Force is not trying to be good or evil, but it's just trying to have balance, right? Mm-hmm. And when you have Ezra reaching out to try and change the past, or when you have the Emperor reaching out, trying to break through this doorway that he's not supposed to get to, you have both sides trying to send things, quote-unquote, out of balance. Yes. And I find that to be a very interesting new chink in the armor yeah. for what balance, quote-unquote, is in Star Wars. Well, I think the fun of the cosmic kind of events we've seen is a lot of um, being unstuck from time. Mm-hmm. Um, it helps when most of your properties are prequels, um, so you know where certain things have to go. Sure. Um, but like in this, I mean, the, the end result of this entire storyline is Ahsoka is alive again and put back on the board of the galactic stage. Yeah. And it seems like at any at, at the end of the day if the cosmic force had any will in place here, it was to make sure that that occurred. 
There's lots of lessons learned along the way and lots of perspective changes on what is and isn't possible. But at the end of the day, the brass tack thing that happens in the normal timeline of Star Wars is Ahsoka cheats death. She's allowed to escape that fate that could have happened to her. But what I love about time travel and playing around with cosmic force is like, there's not a timeline where she died. When we watch season two and she get and the roof crumbles, Ezra was plucking her out of that timeline at that moment and putting her back where we see her walk away in season two. And I love the fact that like, that that doesn't make sense. Is that what they like? I don't know if the filmmakers knew that's what they wanted to do in that moment. But what I like is from a storytelling perspective, that is what occurred. Yeah. Cause it already had happened. Yeah. And, um, that stuff always feels really, really mystic to me. And it's a great storytelling shortcut around agency versus destiny because, well, it was her destiny to survive that, but it's only through, Ezra's will to decide to grab her to push through this portal he knows nothing about and follow his instincts and yank her out of there. Yeah. That's the only reason she survived. So free will is satisfied and destiny is satisfied at the same time because when you are not running in a perfect yeah. this happened, then that happened, then that happened, you can play around with that and still kind of eat your cake and and you know have your cake and eat it too. And I love that type of story like like the mortis trilogy we get to have anakin's anguish in realizing the destiny he is doomed to repeat because he will always make the free will choice that causes him to become vader and then his memory is erased but that's still an important story because we get to eat our cake of we get to see anakin react to something that in the moments of episode three we don't have time to get into his mind and see how he felt about it about how he hates this destiny but he would choose it again and again and again and again all very, very good points, and it just makes me love the episode that much more. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's something that we've gushed about before, so it, it's nice to finally talk about it in detail. Let's talk about the uh, the Sith's perspective on this yeah. world between worlds, because after Ezra has his moment, you know, learns his lesson from Ahsoka, we hear this sort of laughter that we sort of recognize, this mm-hmm. voice that I love for a brief second, it's Palpatine, and then it transitions into Sidious's voice, Yeah, and they turn around and you see him, he's sort of, um, you know, moving over this vat of blue flame that he's got in front of him, and he's using it to try and reach through the portal, pushing this sort of, this fire through and using it to grab onto Ezra so he can pull himself through. So yeah. Ezra can show him the way, even though the Force doesn't want him here. Yeah, it's basically, I can't go through the portal, even though my troops are excavated in the real world so that I can enter it. I'm not allowed. Uh, but there's... Ezra Bridger, you got in, and I can reach you. <laughs> and so this is a, I want to bring up here just very quickly, you know, we talk about this as a doorway. But the Alkalite, um, who's, you know, with Sabine for all of this, also yes. refers to it as a veil. And I find that mm-hmm. to be an interesting way to refer to it just because, you know, what we're talking about here is the separation of the living force from the cosmic force. That's how I read it personally. Yeah. And so when you think about this, you know, this veil between them, a veil isn't the same as a door. A door keeps things out. Right. A veil allows things to pass back and forth. 
yeah. while still obstructing, right? And it, it's a very different concept. And it's such a small little throwaway line from the guy. Mm-hmm. But it does, I think, add to the mysticism that you think they were thinking about when they wrote it. And I think it's also spiritual double talk to make it so that it's not something you can just tack down and walk away from. I could, I've defined this thing. Cause like yeah. if it's a door, then it feels like it's more of a different dimension, some sort of space that's literally between worlds. Right. Yeah. That like doesn't really exist in anything that's tangible and real and authentic. Yeah. But if it's a veil, then it starts getting to the spiritual concepts of like prenumbas and shadow worlds. Like, no, this this is available to anyone. If they just go past the veil, they'll end up here and they can exit anywhere they want to be. Like the idea that like this is not um, this is the shadow of your reality. It doesn't exist separate from it. it is always a reflection. Yeah. Each one of these doorways is more of a mirror yeah. into a different time in a different space. Because we have to remember like. We go to different planets, like even between Ahsoka and Canaan, uh, we're not just seeing different times. That's a totally different part right. of the galaxy. Right, 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 right. Yeah, all very true. Um, Ahsoka and Ezra together are able to deflect Sidious's, uh, you know, flames or lightning, whatever he's sending through the portal. And as they're running, uh, the other, the kind of last moment here that I really love is. Ezra makes Ahsoka promise that, you know, when she gets back, she'll come find him. Mm-hmm. And by the time Ahsoka does get back and comes looking for Ezra, he's already off into the unknown. And so she has to go seek him out. And, you know, that sort of takes us back to where we next sort of really see Ahsoka, yeah. um, you know, at the end of Rebels and then in, in The Mandalorian. So we get this really satisfying ending where we've learned a lot. Ezra's learned a lesson. The state mm-hmm. of the galaxy has changed, you know. We know that Sidious is aware of this. We know that the Force is opening this door specifically for Ezra. We know that other people besides Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka have, um, are aware of the father, son, and daughter. You know, We know so much more about the state of the Force after this episode while still feeling like we know so little. And it's such an impressive feat. And the other thing I think that really this this episode, this establishes, but also the actual finale of Rebels like kind of doubles down on it is like, showing what the emperor the emperor is Sidious the mask is off yeah. so i love the idea of him you know toil toil um cauldron bubble down in the yeah. middle of whatever dark sith dungeon he's in yeah. um and that's what he's spending his time on he's trying to figure out these mysteries now if we incorporate the sequel trilogy we know he's trying to cheat death he's yeah. trying to build an army of you know immortal warriors he's trying to build all these unnatural things and again keep pushing his thumb on the scale as much as possible yeah. so that the universe can't come back into balance that yeah. he can kind of break the scale so hard that he will live outside of yeah. the cosmic forces influence yeah. and well, like i said the finale of rebels shows us the other side of the public face of of Palpatine during all of this in that golden hologram and just how artificial oh, so the, the 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 Palpatine that the public knows and it, it I loved it because it just sort of dispelled of like oh he doesn't show up to keep appearances at all like the the Emperor like his most public appearance is coming to his most elite troops on the Death Star too otherwise no one sees this guy. No one remembers he has a pruny face. No one remembers any of that. Like, there's a complete yeah. falsehood on top of him at all times. And he is Sidious. And he is yeah. doing all this stuff. It's yeah. it's what makes things like Exegol at some level make sense to me. Is 
yeah, if we add on a 19 years of additional time where he's like, oh, the, the Empire's running itself. That was phase one. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. Yeah, it I, feels I, logical. I agree with you on that. And I love anything that involves the Force diving into the weird or the yeah. unexplained. And I hope we get more, Mac. And I'm so happy when we get to talk about it. Yeah. And so, like you said, what, what we have is Ahsoka comes out. And in season two, we assumed it was minutes later. <laughs> it's it's implied and not satisfyingly like confirmed how much time Ahsoka lost. Did she come out like minutes after that and just had a hard time catching a ride off of the off of uh, wherever they were, Corban or whatever? Yeah. Like, did did it take her a long time to get back to the galactic civilization? Or does she walk out after Ezra has already disappeared with Thrawn through yeah. that, that gateway to the other side Boy, of the Boy, I universe? really hope the Ahsoka show explains it. Well, but what's interesting about it is it makes Ahsoka even more interesting than she already was because she already had this cool thing of being a gray Jedi, disconnected yeah. from the dichotomy of Sith and Jedi with her silver blades and her really, really wise beyond her years perspective. It's like, Anakin taught you? Look, I mean, I'm sure he taught you some important lessons. And you pick some stuff up from Obi-Wan, but you're kind of wiser than both of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, she she gets all these giant cosmic ideas much more smoothly. Well, one of the things I like about that is just the fact that I think it I think it's meant to signify how Obi-Wan and Anakin were each half of a complete Jedi. And yes. neither could really work without the other. Yes. And they both, in my opinion only get so stuck in their ways because of how the other one is their antithesis. Yeah. And I mean, we could sit here and theorize all day about what would happen with Anakin if he was trained by Gwygon. What would happen with Anakin if this, what would happen with Anakin if this, but Ahsoka being such a successful and wise force user. Yeah. I think the whole purpose of that is just to show that Anakin was not just a flash in the pan, yeah. you know, Whatever, he was a smart and powerful and wise Jedi who flew too close to the sun. Well, who... Partially because of attachments, partially because of his destiny, partially because of the manipulations of the Sith, ended up in a situation where he had no choice in his own mind but to make the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. And that... And so his positive aspects of what he could have done to the universe were denied him. But he's also a willing participant in that denial, and it creates just this great tension of why Darth Vader is such a dang interesting character is because he was so close to not becoming this, and yet he had no—it was always going to happen. It's a tragedy. You say that, and the other interesting thing about this we didn't discuss, and we'll probably have to say for another time, but now Vader— is most likely aware of this world between worlds. You know, he's aware that Ahsoka got plucked out and went somewhere. So even if he doesn't know all the details, you know, we see him trying to do things in Vader Immortal to get Padme back. And we have no idea, you know, does that stem from this? It's a fun thing to know that, like, okay, Palpatine, again, is in his basement, like, doing all the stuff with the Force. (laughs) And almost, he's so fixated on that, he doesn't notice all the other crazy stuff his apprentice is doing. Because... The cool thing about Vader and his contextualization these days, again, with things like Vader Immortal, the Vader comic, um, we get this impression that Vader freaking hates the Emperor, like <laughs> yeah. needs him, needs yeah. that teacher and owes him 
right? He wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for for the Emperor. He wouldn't know about Padme's fate if it wasn't for the Emperor. There's a lot of reasons he respects this guy as a master, but at the same time, he does not care what Palpatine's like destiny is for him. He wants to desperately escape that. Um, Absolutely. And it makes him a very intriguing character to know that, like, I, I again, I, I recontextualize at this point, it has a very different weight and balance to it when you get to Empire Strikes Back. And and it's like, the son of Skywalker could be turned. And the Emperor going, hmm, that's a good idea. Like, in 80, <laughs> it's like, a, oh, yeah, the Emperor really hasn't thought about that. Like, but nowadays, like, the son of Skywalker, your kid? That's who you're referring to, right? Your child that you denied telling me about. <laughs> and Emperor's like, Vader's like, I didn't know. As far as I know, Padme died on the bed. I don't know. <laughs> you didn't tell me. I, I didn't I didn't know until I was behind a TIE fighter of this kid. I'm like, wait a minute. Something's <laughs> familiar here. That explains why Obi-Wan was here. It all makes sense. And the Emperor's like, you could have reported it then. Well, you know, I was, I was busy. I was Dr. Afra and I space. were dealing with the fact you were real ticked off at me for losing the the Death Star. Like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. You clearly haven't read the comics. But again, I, I also think that one of my favorite things about having people like Dave Filoni in the positions that they are is there's all these cool threads. And they've been doing such a good of job of paying those threads off over a long enough timeline. I mean, I think... I can't imagine watching the end of Clone Wars that came out in 2020. And like, did you, you watched all the Netflix series and stuff before this, right? You, you've seen Rebels, right? Because if you didn't watch Rebels, I don't even know what you're watching here. Like <laughs> so much of this is so gravitationally pulling because of all the things you've seen, right? Like, Absolutely. Maul's not half as interesting if you didn't see him act with, how he acted with Ezra years later in his life. Like right. he's so much more intriguing that way. Um, and you wouldn't have had that if the end of Clone Wars came at the end of Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, so fascinating stuff, good stuff, deep stuff. Oh, another great topic yeah. in the bag, Mac. I Absolutely. can't wait to have another one. Let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. You let's, feeling good? Let's do that. Let's do that. Here we are, another one, put to rest, locked away, time, until someone time travels, this is the way it went, <laughs> this is the causality that we live in, the timeline that we're part of. And it's the timeline I'm happy to be in, you know, I wouldn't yeah. want anything different, I I love um, our pandemic, I love our our wars, I, I love our, our strife, I, you know, I think... If we try to make it better, it's only going to get worse. You know, they tried to change things in Terminator and, and they got way scarier robots the second time. And I so, would just like to say for the record you know. that I agree with that philosophy. And I would say this is a hopeful message, but 
do be careful what you wish for. I remember in 2019 thinking it couldn't get much worse. <laughs> it's been a wild couple of years. You mean after you saw the rise of Skywalker, you were like, it Not can only go up from here. Not specifically. Uh, no, but I mean, like, we, we, we do, yeah. as dark as it can get, like, there is, it can always get worse. It really can. Good so Lord, tell me about it. Let's 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 thank for what we do have and keep trying to fight against. The Which is more Star wrong. Wars. We have more Star Wars because now we know that on May 27th, we're getting two episodes of Obi-Wan. Yeah, so, okay, so they made this, they got Ewan to make this announcement for them of like, hey, just want to, you know, we're going to be moving it around a little bit. It's going to be here, not there. Mm-hmm. Now, my pet theory, I think I told you this off mic. My pet theory is, they realize that Star Wars Celebration doesn't start on Wednesday. And if it starts on Friday and they show two episodes to kids who are at, like as drunk on Star Wars Kool-Aid as possible, that will be a supercell of promoters going out in the world saying, like, have you been watching this Obi-Wan show? It's amazing. Right? All the people who are going to go, it's the Grand Inquisitor. I watch Rebels. You should watch Rebels as well. And it, like, I really, um, I think that's, some of the calculus because you don't move it two days because you had a production hiccup you move it two months because you had a production hiccup so like it seems more like a marketing and strategy definitely feels like a marketing choice there's no other reason to move it two days you know but it's very weird because we used to have all the disney plus shows premiere on friday then they moved to wednesday and now we're back to friday for obi-wan it'll be interesting to see what happens with the other four episodes um I assume we'll we'll know more about why there's two after we've seen it. You know, like with Mando, yeah. it was obvious why we got a Wednesday and then a Friday because it was very clearly one episode well, split into two. And we talked about this. That's the other reason why I think Celebration plays into this is why didn't they just do that again? Yeah. And it must be for some reason they want you to watch a movie's worth of this show in one go. Especially if they are going to... I mean, I assume with a six-episode run... That each episode's going to be an hour plus. I'm oh, really yeah. well, hoping. So. Actually, would you just either way you want to mention it? We're going to see a third of the story on day one. Mm-hmm. That's a weird way to process that. That is very. That's very true, man. Um, but it is very exciting because again, we we're we are very close to sort of uh, getting somewhat out of the drought. Um, you know, this is um, this is our first Jedi in. You know, this is the first time we've seen like Jedi stuff. Yeah. Since, like, Rise of Skywalker. Clone Wars, yeah. Uh, Oh, gosh, yeah, no, Clone Wars, yeah. Which, I mean, that was only a few months after, but yeah. No, but it's interesting to think about the fact of, like, again, we've been in Mando Land, which is where I generally prefer to be. (laughs) Yeah, Um, Max But, like, like, I I think especially after Book of Boba Fett turned into Mando Season 2.5, I think this has got a little more extra energy, because not only is it sort of, you know, fan bait in the sense of, like, hey, it's Obi-Wan, it's a character you really like, and it's going to obviously be, it's Sith, and it's Jedi, and it's kind of back to some of the, that wing of the universe, but I think it's also got a little bit more charge, because it's just like, oh yeah, no, no, like, what we've been having recently (laughs) is the down and trodden, like, underworld of the universe, so it's kind of interesting because even bad batch is that view of the universe is trying to make money and avoid detection from the major world which is where we're going to start with obi-wan but obviously that show looks like it's going in a whole different direction of like he's he's gonna he's gonna be fighting people with like there's gonna be lightsaber battles that's what as you say that it really makes me wonder and i feel like i'm doing what i do with rise of skywalker and just getting my hopes up too much Uh oh, but (laughs) 
wouldn't it be amazing if episodes one and two were movie one, two hours of content. Episodes three and four, movie two, two hours of content. Oh, Episodes five and six were movie three. And we got a trilogy of a moved. story told in a TV show. Yeah, it's a trilogy told through two-parters. Yeah, yeah I, I would be that. all about that. I'm that sure that's not what we're getting. But could you imagine if episode two ended and episode three started and said three years later? Or like something like that. Like if we got a moment like that. Oh, if like all the stuff we're seeing with the Inquisitors and stuff like, oh, that's, that's the first two episodes. The yeah. next ones are about when he fought the Cryot Dragon that one time. I, all I'm saying is I don't think that's what's happening, but it's well, possible. I think so. I, I also, uh, you know, pardon, pardon. I, I'm about to say basically like a Star Wars swear here. Huh? So I also like Star Trek. Sure. Um, and what one thing that we've seen is like they're they do very heavily serialized shows or at least they mostly have yeah um and they're the most exciting thing going over there is the new show coming out in may called uh strange new worlds and there's just like a huge energy to like wanting more of an anthology episodic show and i think what we're kind of maybe seeing is the market has a much more wide palette it wants variety maybe that's mm -hmm. another reason why like well we did wednesdays for a long time but once everyone got used to wednesdays we weren't getting the oomph that wednesdays were giving us so now we're gonna go back to fridays and eventually we'll go back to tuesdays or like <laughs> they're gonna keep moving it around because it's just it's variety we get used to doing the same thing and the no, second no. we do that it's not as interesting they to moved keep doing. it back to wednesday so they could get the star wars all in bump uh and that was kind of nice for us yeah. um but I, I, what I mean, uh, what I think for that is I thought they originally moved back to like Wednesday because that gives them two days of social media talk. Water before, talk. Yeah. Nice. So before people sort of just go into their weekends and yeah, I can mm -hmm. watch it at some point. Like it basically gives them the chance to supercharge that when people do get to Saturday, they will watch it. Um, yeah. And I think Friday night is just kind of like, a, nah, maybe that didn't put punch or people maybe that are going sustain. out on Friday nights again. Maybe that's, you know, part that's, of it, too. That's true, too. That's true, too. So it, it'll be interesting. But I think, um, I, again, I, I hope somewhere, somewhere in the bowels of uh, Lucasfilm, they have something that, like how Visions was, something that's a little more vignettes from across the universe oh, or that. different times. Like, stuff that isn't, like, I want Ahsoka to be a serialized story. I know Andor yeah. is going to probably be a serialized story. Like, I, I do want those, but, like... I'll be honest, Star Trek, which kind of like disappeared for a long time and wasn't doing anything major other than shooting some movies out that were controversial to its fan base. <laughs> like they are firing on all cylinders. They got like six shows running currently. And I'm like, and I kind of want that from a Star Wars. And part of that is I want more variety to my Star Wars shows because I think in in the end, I loved Boba Fett, but only as Mando season 2.5. It's a little disappointing that it wasn't kind of its own thing. It really wasn't its own show. It really is necessary reading to the Mando story. So mm -hmm. it's more of like a um, a side adventure that you you need. Um, kind of like in the olden days, like what Shadows of the Empire was. You know, you didn't need to read it to understand the story. But if you read it, like, oh, it fills in a lot of gaps. Um, yeah. So we'll see what see what they want to do. Um also, one other thing in Star Wars news I want to say. Um, so I started the month um, with no co clone commando figures, <laughs> and now I have one and two on pre-order. Yeah. That's a weird place to yeah, be. Yeah, you're very excited. Also, got got very confused because, okay, so 
Um, Black series figures. Mm -hmm. I don't get into them Mm -hmm. much, but Mm -hmm. I do like ones with T's on their faces, a.k.a. Mandalorians. (laughs) And I love the Clone Commando series, so I bought Boss Mm -hmm. April of 2001, and it arrived. Yay! And they announced (laughs) Fixer, which is one of the other members of the Clone Commando squad, uh, RC1140. And the whole thing with him is like, oh, okay, I'm going to pre-order it in April. When's it delivering? Oh, April of 2023. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. So by 2025, I'll have all four members of Delta Squad. That yep. sounds great. Yep. And then they're like, actually, Seb's up for pre-order too. Oh, okay. When's that arrive? December. So the one that you announced later is coming out sooner. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, no wonder Ross just gets irrationally mad at Hasbro every once in a while. Um, so I went and I tried to, and I and I went to GameStop and I set it up and I kept searching for like four days in a row. Sev, Sev, I'm like, oh, when are they going to pre-order this thing? And then I found out, oh no no, all the other ones were Star Wars Black Series Gaming's Greatest Republic Commando boss Republic Commando figure was like how their big spiel of what the product listing was. Other one, Gaming's Greatest Republic Commando Fixer Commando figure. Sev, Republic Commando Hunter figure, Gaming's Greatest. So when I typed in Sev, his name's not in the product category. Fixer and boss were, so I missed like four days I could have pre-ordered that. <laughs> oh, no. Because he's a, he was listed completely yep. differently yep. from the other two figures. Oh, welcome and to I'm the just, joys. Well, and I'm just really glad that, like, obviously it wasn't a limited edition. They're, they're taking these orders as literal pre-orders that the figure isn't manufactured yet. That's why that's why I could still get in, because they're going to manufacture relatively to demand. Um, so that made me happy that, like, I didn't miss out. But I'm like... I was checking that thing for like five days in a row until I was watching some review where someone was talking about like, well, since everyone's pre-ordered already, I'm like, was there another, like, I thought GameStop was the exclusive. Oh yeah, they are. Well, I apparently wasn't following collector Twitter enough to get the direct link, which is what I needed. That is, that really is the, the damning nature of it. Now, if you are not like in that loop, it is really hard to, to stay on top of. Because the second I put in Republic Commando, I got the video game and the three figures. Yeah. And I'm like, well, when Scorch comes, fingers crossed, I guess that's what I'm going to do is just, like, be a little yeah. more up on it or at least be Did looking for more generic Scorch? terms. I thought they announced Scorch already. I don't I thought think we were so. done now. I thought we had all four announced. No, no, no. So okay. the thing with Scorch is, um, last time I checked, it may have changed in the last week, but... Last time I checked, there is a Scorch three and three quarters, which is where this is all gummed up. And Scorch, everyone's like, it's weird that he's not been made because he's also in Rebels. Yeah. Or not Rebels, Bad Batch. Right, right. Um, So he's the only one canonically we know who survives into the Imperial Year, assuming maybe all of them do. But it really is like, so is the Republic Commando game, is that, uh, is that canon, not canon? It's very confusing. Um, Delta Squad's always been part of canon because they've been around since Clone Wars. They yeah. had that one episode where all four of them were there yeah. um, and identified by StarWars.com as those characters. Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool. And and, and, and I don't know. I, I really would love to see more with those characters because I love them and I really enjoyed that game. And I'm glad it's been re-released so like other people can get into it a little bit. Yeah. 
but it's also a game from 15 years ago, so I understand that that may not have moved the needle as much as I might want it to. But as long as GameStop produces all four and doesn't stop here, I'll be okay. <laughs> I don't think... They got Listen, to. Listen, it took three years, four years, five years, but we finally got a Bodhi Rook, the last figure we needed from Rogue One. Just this January. Hasbro will sell it to you on a long enough timeline, as long as you stay hungry enough. Yeah. And we are also getting a Saw Gerrera this year, which actually looks beautiful. Because the new thing is, if you want good-looking detailed figures, you got to get them into the deluxe category. Ooh. Yeah. It used to be we would just package them normally. And... Wait, is that like a is that like a fat joke for like Saw Gerrera? Like, oh, I mean, no. he's a bulky guy. Oh, no, like... no, no. So that's the thing. They've had deluxe figures for a while. But it used to be like the Wampa, the Tauntaun. Now it's ah. just if you're slightly bigger than average, you're a deluxe figure. Like if and you're Moloch or they... a Gamorrean Guard or Wrecker. But hey, I'll be honest with you. A lot of people are complaining about the Republic Commando figures. I'm not one of them because they exist. And that makes me happy. <laughs> and that's all you need. Um, who... Yeah. The, the Republic Commandos definitely had more of a linebacker kind of shape to them. Sure. And that's been consistent even with Scorch showing up in Bad Batch. And a lot of people are mad that, like, at its heart, other than the helmet sculpts and these, like, backpacks, guns, and shoulder pieces, underneath these are basically probably some sort of redress or minor retool of some other clone yeah. troops. And I go, sure, but they exist, and I'm happy about that. Yeah. So if Wrecker got a deluxe figure, I'm happy that they went the extra mile and didn't just make him look like Wrecker, who's the same size as Tack. They actually made him bigger than the yeah. rest of his squad. Yeah. That's good. Oh, there are benefits to it. I like deluxe figures, but boy, as the prices just keep going up and the repaints keep going up and the... You know, it's just, it, well, it's frustrating. As a person who, who shopped for their first hot toy ever and... <laughs> and, and, and it, the problem with the collector's market is there is no ceiling. Yeah. It is about what you can get away with. And I think one of the most tragic things about the toy market is just the fact of since kids don't buy toys anymore, they're not priced for parents to buy for their kids. Yeah. And because of that, it just gets, to be honest, as the older the older the demographics get in this market, the more disposable income they have and the more they can leak out of you for that. Yes. Um, and, and, and to be honest, the other thing is making a physical object didn't get easier in the last couple of years. It got harder. That is so. all very true. So anyway, but hey, at least, you know, they got the 3D sculpts for the faces and stuff. Like, at least the quality is generally maybe not at the same rate, but, but it, is it is rising. Improving, no yeah. doubt. No doubt. And um, while my collection has sort certainly come to a slowdown, I'm still a fan. I still will collect Black Series. But I will tell you. I just got back from our local comic convention, and I did buy the ThinkGeek exclusive, like, 14-inch stuff Borg. Ooh. I did buy a dozen 1999 uh, Taco Bell KFC Pizza Hut Episode 1 toys. <laughs> but I did not buy any Black Series figures, even though there were many I saw reasonably priced that I needed. Well, let's be so honest. So I, I think... does speak to it a little bit of maybe they have sort of done some things lately that are making collectors not want to stick around. Well, I think the other thing about it is also most collectors aren't you because I think it's one of those other <laughs> things of if you stopped right now, yeah, you might long for some pieces, but you have a really impressive collection. Like you filled in the majority of the gaps for anyone who goes, do you have a figure of, yes, yes, I do. Of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> do you have 18 different versions of the same trooper? No. Oh, well, I didn't really want to see that anyway. I know. You know I mean? mean, in all seriousness, though, you're absolutely right. 
and You're and, and again, right. that's why that's why so much of that line I think is a lot of reissues and redecos for either the people who are sickos who can't stop, literally can't stop. Well, I used to be one, I guess. Um, or or the fact of like, or I think smarter things like I love the. Uh, I love that I'm I'm waiting. I'm going to, after two years, three years, depending on when Scorch comes, I will collect four figures of the Revoke Commandos. I know that they're all basically just redecos of the exact <laughs> same figure. And that I reasonably shouldn't have to wait that long for something that's just a repaint. But, like, it is what it is, and that's okay. Like, at least they're interesting. To me, they are different characters, even if they aren't really as far as, like, the manufacture of them. So, wow, that's the longest collector talk we've had for a while. It's been nice because over these last few years, we haven't been collecting in the same way because the world's been shut down. Everything's just been pre-orders. Like, I haven't been going on toy runs. I haven't been and, going to yard sales and or will anything. Say, as much as kind of that, some of that stuff stinks, like having to wait, like, a year or two, there's something nice about, like, I know that I'm going to get a fixer figure. Like, we've been in this mode long enough that I know that it's not like a, oh, we had to cancel your pre-order. Like, no, like, you haven't manufactured it, so you're going to, quote-unquote, manufacture one for me. Like, I'm in your inventory lineup. And that's paid off with, in my case, my Darksaber and Rays, which I have owned for a really long time before they were delivered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that that's, it's not good, but it it is kind of nice to know that it's, it, you're not running to as much the, I really want to get Sev. Oh no, I missed the day the pre-orders went up. It's been almost a week and I can still order Sev. That's nice. It is nice. And it's where things should be. Yeah. So. Frankly. So, yeah. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not elbowing people at Target to see what came in this case wave. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. anyway. Well, if what you want at Target is episode six, General Lando, I promise they have those. Ooh. And by by the buttload. That's he's got a cape. How's the thing off the sale? I know and it's cloth goods. It looks nice. That is a figure I will buy, but I'm gonna wait and get it for ten dollars eventually. Some people's tastes. I Some know. Some people's tastes. I know, I know. That is childish Gambino you're passing up on. For reals. Atlanta season three started, it's great. If you're a Donald Glover fan, I mm. recommend. Just gotta get a plug in for that. I'm not in it, but still wanna plug in. <laughs> Uh, Believe it or not, didn't get into that one. Weird. I know. My audition was so good, but they said you're just too white. I have definitely found that we have run out of things to talk about. So I'm just going to say what we normally say. It's been a pleasure talking to all you folks out there. And I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday. May the force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2022.